So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. As you turn, you know, I was, I was just thinking during worship time. I don't know, you know, sometimes I get a little excited during worship, right? And when I was going through this stuff with after my back surgery and so forth and leading up to that, and I had to, like, sit there and be really still, it was killing me. Right, And I'm so grateful like to be able to stand and lift my hands and even jump or clap a little bit. I know some of you are just more comfortable just kind of sitting there. I'm not saying, I'm not picking on anybody, you know. right? But I want to let you know that sometimes there's times in our lives when we appreciate the fact that we get to stand in the presence of God, that we can actually lift our hands, amen? Listen, if you've had shoulder problems right, and you can't lift your hand, you know what I'm talking about. Right? Oh, Debbie, I don't mean to pick on you, you know? <laughs> right? But, but, you know, when you're healed of that, you know, or you get past all that, you can li- raise your hands again. No one has to say, come on, church, raise your hands. You're just doing it. Right? And when you, when you, you know, come past that back surgery and so forth, and you feel like you can jump a little bit and worship, this is amazing grace, you know what? Like, you just kind of do it. I know I'm not supposed to really jump too much, you know? So they tell me for a number of reasons. But anyway... So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just a side note there. Maybe encourage somebody to worship the Lord with everything that's in you this morning. Amen? Amen. So Joshua chapter 6, we are in our, our series from the book of Joshua, stepping into, I think we can go back one slide there so I don't get mixed up there. And there we go. Stepping into a new day. Stepping into a new day. Right? And we're talking about moving forward into the new things God has for us. In fact, our T-shirts yesterday right, that we had on our theme from this year, I have my bracelet on still. It's a new day. And someone, Kim and I, were visiting at Eatontown. Day. She's like, oh, I love, I love your, your, your theme there on your T-shirt. I'm like, yeah, well, this is our church's theme because we're believing that, you know, after COVID and everything, yeah, we want to look forward, you know, we need, we need hope and people need to be encouraged. But more than that, the Bible tells us that in Christ, old things pass away and all things become new. And God has a new day for each of us through Christ. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, though, our message is entitled, Stepping into Your New Day, God's Way. Stepping into your new day God's way. And reading from Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1 down through verse 11. The Bible says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. 
And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going about at once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. May God bless his word to us this morning. And so it's time. It's time. The people are ready. They've come out of there wandering in the desert. They've crossed the Jordan. They've done what they needed to do at Gilgal. They set up the memorial. They consecrated themselves. They worshiped through the Passover. Now, God, let's get to it. Let's go conquer the land. And let's start with Jericho. And it was time. It was time for the people to move out of Gilgal and begin to take possession of the land. It was time for them to get to work. It was time for the people of Israel to step into their new day. And at this point, I'm sure the people had in mind what their next step would look like. They thought they were going to pick up their weapons and rush the city in an all-out battle. They anticipated charging the city and demonstrating their great battle skills. But God, as so often happens, had something completely different in mind. God had a different plan a different way of winning this battle, a different way of moving forward. And thus the question quickly became, would the people do it their way or would they do it God's way? Of course, you and I face that question just about every day of our lives. Situations constantly arise that force us to make that choice again and again. For as we pursue the dream that God has put into our hearts, as we seek to move ahead into the life that we know God has for us, as we as we face the battles that life brings our way, as we find ourselves facing all kinds of walls that block our way, as we seek to take our next step into our new day, we can do what our instinct tells us to do. We can do it our way or we can do it God's way. You see, as we've been looking into the book of Joshua and talking about stepping into our new day, we've seen that God, that God has for each of us a land. And we've said that's, that's, that's a place, his place for us of purpose, of fruitfulness, of blessing. For he wants us to know the abundant life, the spirit-filled life. He wants, to, he wants us to be able to live out the good works that he has planned ahead of time for us. He wants to lead us into that place where we might say, yes, old things have passed away. All things have become new. This is the way my life once was, but this is what Christ has done in my life. Look at my life. It's a new day. But as we'll see today, for that to happen, we will need to have enough faith in God to move forward according to his will, his plan, and his instructions. For moving forward with God means just that. It means moving forward with him. With him. Not just doing our own thing. Not just going our own way or doing things the way we think 
is best. And so this morning, as we look at Joshua chapter 6, I want us to see three principles that the Israelites put into effect that demonstrate that they had chosen to step into their new day God's way. The first was this, patience. Patience. Don't you just love that word? You're like, oh, Pastor. Patience. Trusting in God's timing. I mean, think of it. Again, the people were ready to get going when they first crossed the Jordan. And then they were told, oh, they had to wait at Gilgal. And finally, it's time to move out from Gilgal. But rather than attacking the city as would have seemed normal to them, they were told that for the next week, they were to walk around the city once per day quietly and then go back to the camp. Now, this might have been okay, maybe for the first day or so. But don't you think by days four, five, or six, the soldiers were getting a little bit edgy? I mean, come on, think of it. Not again, Joshua. This is so stupid. The whole city is laughing at us. Who came up with this idea? This isn't how you win a war. This isn't how you take a city. But for six days, they circled the city one time with only the sound of the, of the seven priestly trumpets. And then they went back to the camp for the rest of the day and night. And it wasn't until the seventh day, after they had marched around it on that seventh day seven times, that they then gave a great shout and that then something different occurred. Yes, eventually God worked and gave them a great victory. Eventually the walls fell. But notice what it took on the part of Joshua and the people it took patience. Great patience as they trusted in God's timing. How many of us know that God's timing is not our own? I know, listen, we normally like everything fast. We talked about it last week. We want fast cars, fast meals, fast communication, and we want a fast God. We want God to do his work in our time, on our time. We want to see the promises of God fulfilled as fast as we can get our DSL line to connect to our internet. But God's ways are not our ways, and God's timing is not our timing. The Bible describes God's relationship to, t- to time in this way, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, God is not bound by our concept of time. You know that? One writer, Gary Thomas, put it this way. We will never understand God and his ways unless we remind ourselves that throughout history, he is moved by millennia, not minutes. God, I need it now. But God's timing is not our own. And so there are many times when God's timing may force us to wait. But some might ask, well, why didn't God knock down the walls, the walls of Jericho on that first day? Why didn't he do it after just one march around? Why did it have to take so long? Why seven days? And I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that God always has his purposes. And maybe as the Israelites were marching around the city, getting frustrated with the slowness of the process, God was at work to first knock down some walls in their own hearts and minds. Maybe God was teaching them that his kingdom is not made of instant jello, but of something stronger and deeper, that you don't just come up with a formula and then everything turns out the way you want it to. 
And I hate to say there are some churches and some 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 Christians who have tried to take Joshua chapter six and turn it into a formula. Oh, we want to win Shrewsbury for Christ. And so we're going to march around Shrewsbury seven times, you know, or whatever. Like it's some formula. God wasn't giving a formula. This is what God wanted from them that day in that hour. And could it have been that the frustration was part of the process that God wanted them to endure? Maybe God was illustrating the truth that the work of God's kingdom takes patience, patient endurance, and sometimes it takes lots and lots of waiting. But how many of us know that, that ultimately God's timing is always right? Come on. God's timing is always right. That God is never late. God is always right on, right on time. Not like many of us, right? Come on, I see you dragging into church sometimes, right? God's never late. God knows the times and seasons of our world. He knows the times and seasons of our lives. We see it in Scripture that at just the right time, Isaac was born to Abraham. At just the right time, Joseph's dreams came to pass. At just the right time, God delivered his people from Egypt. At just the right time, God raised up Joshua. At just the right time, God gave the throne to David. At just the right time, Messiah, Jesus, was born. At just the right time, God poured out his Holy Spirit. And listen, at just the right time, Jesus Christ will return. And at just the right time, God will work in your life to bring about his promises to you, to knock down the walls that stand before you. At just the right time, God will lead you into the land he has for you. Oh, Second Peter chapter 3, listen, says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you hear that? The Lord is not slow. He has his purposes. And maybe right now you feel like you're in an eternal holding pattern. Maybe you feel like the plans and promises of God are slow coming into your life. But don't be discouraged. Rather, trust, know that as you trust God and patiently wait upon him, God is at work in you to strengthen you, to build your faith, to bring you into the land he has for you. And remember, God gives victory to those who are patient enough to wait for him, those who will trust in his timing. And so it took on the part of the Israelites, it took patience, trusting in God's timing. But secondly, it took obedience, trusting in God's instructions. And if you ask most people at the time what the Israelites not needed to do to defeat the city of Jericho, this great walled city, I'm sure that you would have gotten all kinds of answers. One person may have handed you a parchment with one set of plans. Another may have given you a different set of plans. Many might have said, hey, Israelites, it can't be done. But no one would have given the instructions that God gave to Joshua to give to the people to march around the walls as they did. But you see, we're reminded today that God's ways don't always make sense to our human minds. Sometimes God instructs us to do some things that just don't make sense to us. I mean, they're way out of the box for us. You know what I mean? We see it throughout the Bible. I think about Jonah this morning. God tells Jonah to go and preach to a nation that was the cruel enemy of his people. Can't you imagine Jonah this morning? What do you mean, God? I should sell my business, sell my car, my house, and so forth, and go overseas to preach to people who don't even want to hear the message I have to give? 
I think about Abraham this morning, how God instructed him to pack up his family, all of his belongings, to move to a place that he wasn't yet going to reveal. What do you mean, God? You want me to go in there and tell Sarah and all my servants and, 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 and my whole family and tell them, listen, pack up. We're going to move. Where are we going? I don't know yet, but God's going to eventually show it to us. I think about God telling Moses to go to Pharaoh and ask Pharaoh to release a few million of his slaves. Think of what that was going to do to the economy. What do you mean, God? You want me to go tell the king that he has to let go of the largest workforce this nation has ever had without putting up a fight? I think of God the Father speaking to his son, instructing Jesus, to come and save a world that was going to kill him. What do you mean, God? You want me to go save a world that's going to reject me, beat me, and crucify me? There are times when God asks us to do some things that just don't make sense up here. You know what I mean? What do you mean, God? You want me to tithe 10% of my income? You want me to close my business, my farm, whatever it is, one day a week as a Sabbath? You want me to take care of the poor when I can hardly take care of myself? You want me to not take that business deal that seems so lucrative, it's just what I need at this moment? You want me to not get involved in that relationship that just seems so right to me? You want me to become a missionary to those foreign people? I can't even learn a, I can't even learn a second language. It doesn't make sense, God. But we need to remember God's words. We read in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And you see, if we're going to experience the work of God in our lives, we need to eventually accept the fact that God's ways are different than our ways. We need to accept the fact that the way God does things don't always line up with the way we would do things. And sometimes he calls us to step out of the box. Why? Because the Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. And thus, although at times his word doesn't always make sense to our natural way of thinking, people say, oh, you read the Bible, you follow what the Bible says. That doesn't make sense. No, maybe not. All, maybe it doesn't all the time. But we obey God. We follow his instructions. We do what seems not to make sense. Why? Because we believe that God knows best, that he knows what he's doing, and that blessing is found in a life of obedience. Oh, I think of that old hymn we used to sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. See, if we're going to experience the victory and blessing of God in our lives, if we're going to see walls fall, we must be willing to obey him with hearts filled with faith, even when what he calls us to do doesn't seem to make sense. And so patience, obedience, trusting in God's timing, trusting in God's ways, and then finally, integrity. Integrity. That it's trusting God enough to always do what is right. Integrity. And we read this. If you go with me to Joshua chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, let me read that for us. It says, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. 
so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all the city to destruction. This was their way of devoting it to the Lord. Both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But the two men who had spied out the land, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house, that's Rahab's house, and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought them and they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the, the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, and her father's household, all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You see, the fall of Jericho was only the beginning. There was a lot of land yet to be conquered. And if they were to experience continued victory and conquer the whole land, they would need to continue to do things the right way, God's way. And that would require integrity on their part, integrity before both God and man. So notice the two things that the Israelites did here. Once the walls fell down, first of all, they devoted the city and all of its bounty to the Lord. No one was allowed to take anything for themselves. They weren't just to like run in, like rush in and grab whatever they could for personal gain. But rather, all that was retrieved was dedicated to the Lord. I want to tell us this morning that our spiritual integrity is maintained or jeopardized by what we do with the blessings that God brings into our lives. Can I say that again? Our spiritual integrity is maintained or jeopardized by what we do with the blessings that God brings into our lives. Do we take those things that God blesses us with and, and use them for selfish purposes? Do we spend the blessings of God on our own desires? Or do we take what God has blessed us with and dedicate it back to him and to his purposes for our lives? You know, that's what, that's what our baby dedications are about. We've received this great blessing of a baby into our lives, but we know we don't own that child. We dedicate that child back to God and his purposes for that child's life, not what mom or dad want him to do when he grows up, you know? But we dedicate them back to the Lord. And notice, secondly, they kept their word to Rahab. Rahab was the, was, was the prostitute who had actually helped the two spies escape from Jericho. And Joshua knew that if they were to experience continued blessing from God, they had to keep their word to Rahab and her family. And I'm reminded today that God does not bless people who say one thing and then do another. He does not bless those who make promises to others and then break them. But God, you see, God keeps his promises and he expects his people to do the same. You see, church, listen, it's one thing to live for God and do the right thing when we're in need. Oh, God, I need you. I need your help. But what about when you've actually won the battle? How do you live when the walls have fallen and there before you is all this stuff, everything you've ever wanted? How do you live when everything is going well? Will you remember God? Will you still live for God? Will you be devoted to God? Will you still treat those around you the way God would have you treat them? I'm reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says this. 
When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, in other words, when you've received all this blessing from God, be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 18 says, Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. You know, I use that scripture often when someone invites me into their home that they just purchased, their new home, and they ask me to come and pray with them to blessing over their home. And I always say to them, I'm like, listen, God's given you this home as a blessing, but as you live here in this place, Don't forget from whom this blessing comes. Amen? Listen, some of of you here have come from other countries, and I've shared this with with, with, with friends and and people I've ministered to who have come from other countries, and they come into this land, and they begin to experience the blessings of this land. Maybe back in your own country, you know, your home country, you are on fire for God. You come here, and you know what happens? Oh, so many, they get caught up in their business and in the work and trying to, like, live the American dream, which is just a puff of smoke anyway, right? Don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God. Live your life with integrity. Before God, before man, always doing the right thing. For you see, to experience all that God had for them, these people were going to have to maintain their integrity because they trusted God. And all that they experienced from God, they needed to do what was right before him and before those around them. I want you to go back with me as we close. And Luciano, if you'd come. Joshua chapter 6 there. I want you to go back to verses 8 and 9. The Bible says this. Let me read it for you again. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. Notice that the ark of the covenant, which we said a few weeks ago, was a sign of God's presence with his people is once again in the middle of the whole thing. And here as they're about to go into battle, it's not the place where you would expect the ark to be. In fact, I can imagine some of the soldiers saying, this is no place for the priests and the ark. They're going to get in the way. The ark is going to slow us down. The ark is not meant for battle. The ark is meant for worship. The presence of God is not meant to be here in this place. It's meant to be in that place. But I believe God was illustrating for them and for us the great necessity of keeping him in the middle of all things. The necessity of allowing God to be in the center of our lives, in the center of every situation that you and I might face. When it came to the Jordan, if you remember, God put himself into the middle of their obstacle and did an amazing thing. That was God doing it. God stepping in. But here at Jericho, the people were going to have to allow the ark. They were going to have to place the ark 
Allow the ark to be moved into the center of what they were doing. For the ark, the presence of God, was going to have to be a part of their march around the city. They had to place the ark in the middle of the soldiers. And the soldiers were going to have to accept the fact that we might be strong, we might have all kinds of weapons, but more than anything else, we need the presence of God right in the middle of this battle. Listen, you may be facing today a great challenge, a difficulty, an obstacle in your life that seems impossible to overcome. You might have before you your own personal Jericho, a great wall that is blocking you from the life you know God wants you to live, a wall that is strong and much, maybe much stronger than you are. Maybe it's a wall of fear and anxiety. Maybe it's a wall of family troubles or financial need. Maybe it's a wall filled with the consequences of past sin. You know, we could go on and on, but whatever it is, you know that it's a wall that needs to be knocked down in order for you to move ahead with God, in order for you to move further into the plan of God for your life. And when we come come to those walls, I know we come up with all kinds of ways to overcome the wall. I got to talk to that person. I got to see this. I got to figure this out. I got to do this. I got to do that. But let me encourage you to, first of all, have enough faith in God to do it God's way. Be patient, trusting in God's timing as you wait upon him. Be obedient, trusting in God's word. Be a person of integrity, always doing what you know is right before God. And man, that's the kind of life God can bless. Most of all, keeping God in the center of all things keeping him in the center of all that you do, keeping him in the, in, the, in the center of your life, in the middle of every situation you face. For as you do, I believe God, he's going to step into your life to shake the earth around you and to knock down some of those walls. Oh, how many of us want that shaking this morning? How many of us need him to knock down some walls? Listen, as you do it God's way, As you live your life God's way, God will bless you and give to you the victory you need. How many people have come into my office through the years? Oh, I don't understand why this is happening and why why God doesn't do this and God doesn't do that. Well, are you waiting on God? Are you trusting in God? Are you living life God's way? Well, you know. Listen, the call today is to step into your new day with a heart filled with faith enough to do it God's way. To do it God's way which means more than anything else, we keep him in the middle, in the center of your life. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Worship team, would you come? With every head bowed, every eye closed, just want us to take a moment to pray. Maybe you're here today and you have a Jericho standing before you, some Jericho walls that need to be knocked down. Listen, we still serve, we serve a God who is still a powerful God, a mighty God, a God who's able to do amazing things like we spoke about a few weeks ago, a God who's able to help his people win some great battles. But church, we need to trust him. We We need to have faith enough to live our lives the way he would have us to live them faith enough to wait upon him, trusting in his timing, to obey him, trusting in his instructions, his word, trusting him enough to live our lives at the highest level of integrity, trusting him enough to keep him in the center of all things.
If you're here this morning, and just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need God to knock down some walls in my life. I have some battles before me. I have some struggles in my life. I'm just asking the Lord to help build some faith in my heart today that I would trust him in the way we're talking about today. Come on, if that's you, would you just, just raise a hand for a moment? Come on, how many of us here today? Come on, I see hands going up. Come on, you need God to step into your life, to knock down some walls. We're going to believe God today as we trust him this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you are still a great and mighty God. There is no wall, no city that can stand before the power of your might. And your Holy Spirit is still moving through hearts. Your, your Holy Spirit is still ministering to people today. Your Holy Spirit is still moving out ahead of your people to do some amazing things. And today, we just declare our faith in you, O oh God. We just declare that you are the God for whom nothing is impossible. That you're a good God who knows what's best for his children. That you're a wonderful God who, who, who longs to take care of his children. You're a God who's able to knock down every wall that stands in our way even today. God, I just pray that you build faith in our hearts enough as we reach out to you today. God, that we begin to see walls fall as we wait upon you, as we obey you, as we live as you've called us to live most of all today, God, we say you are the center. We put you in the center. Forgive us, oh God, when we push you to the side. Forgive us, oh God, when we've put you behind. We've left you out, but today we put you in the center. And I pray for everyone here today who's lifted a hand. God, that they would experience your work in their life. That we would hear testimonies of the walls that have fallen. So we trust you today. We trust you with all that's within us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand together? Let this song be our prayer this morning. If you're here today, maybe you just sense you need to come to this altar for a few moments of prayer, you come as we sing it.